The world is ever changing and sometimes we just need a helping hand. Hey, it's one more about the Rama. New apps here, new tech there, it's all very exciting. But it's nice to have something you can count on. Like insurance from State Farm. ¿Tienes preguntas sobre tu seguro? Con State Farm puedes llamar a tu agente o conectar con ellos. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Life is full of surprises. Some good, some not so much. Hola, it's Honey. Hola, it's Carolina. Y sabes que estar preparado para cualquier cosa es importante. Whether that's in our roles as mothers, wives, businesswomen, or podcasters. On our show Life in Spanglish, you know that being open to unexpected turns has been an important part of our success. Pero we can use some help. Oh yes, la buena ayuda is welcome. Y si pasa algo, tranquilitos. Isn't it good knowing that with a State Farm agent you can worry less because someone will be personally invested in safeguarding your goals? Plus, they have the options to talk to a real person whenever a customer needs, especially when those unexpected turns come up. It's the personalized attention you can count on. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com It's the Custard TV podcast, the podcast where three TV obsessives talk about the shows that you need to point your eyes at this week. Um, it's basically me, Luke, runner and editor of the website this podcast lives on, thecustardtv.com, joined as always by Matt. Hello. Hello. And also, because it's an all-American week, I had my all-American friend on. It's Jackson, a.k.a. Skip Intro on YouTube. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great. Thank you guys for uh, meeting later so that I could join and not have to wake up at 4 a.m. And where is it in the States that you're broadcasting from? Seattle, Washington. Ah. Okay. The West Coast. For our, for our majority of British listeners, I wonder what the most American thing you've done this week was. I went to a mini golf bar. We played mini golf and got drunk, so that was. Oh no, we do that all, that's, every, that's, yeah. all the time. Oh, okay, yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's exclusively American. I, was I haven't had that... any. I haven't had any like fast food. I just thought the combination of a normal fun thing with uh, you know, getting you to pay for beer was uh, American, no, that, but maybe not. That's a very British concept as well. I'm afraid, yeah. Getting but... drunk and playing games, yeah, no, yeah. come on, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> Luke and Matt. This could be a podcast. A podcast? Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Use your ears and trust them. This is the Custard TV Podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com This week on the show, I'm hoping it's going to be a relatively positive one with the return of Succession over on HBO and Sky Atlantic. Also on that same channel, we've got Scenes from a Marriage, starring Jessica Chastain and Oscar Isaacs. Uh, the critically acclaimed comedy Reservation Dogs makes the leap here in the UK to Disney+. And American crime story, Colon. You know I love a good colon in the show, you Matt. Impeachment. I, I think it's the other way around. I know, I just realised that. The colon comes sooner than you'd imagine and i do it's like an early impeachment colon. colon american crime story yeah i'm sure it's always been i don't know if you can crime... really call yourself a fan of colon of colons and get it in well, the wrong I'm, space I'm, I'm 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 going there i'm putting myself <laughs> out there 
as a fan of colons, regardless of where I think they should be. I'm just glad Why that they exist. Please? Yeah, but I'm sure it used to no, be No, it was the other way around for the other... It was the other way around for the other two. I've just checked. God, I need to go back to colon school. Well, I think American Horror Story, they do that and then the colon. So it I've is a never bit... seen an episode of American Crime Story. I horror should story. do, being a bit American Horror Story. I should do, being a colon fan as I am. But I've never <laughs> seen it. So I think we've got to do the very first show uh, that everyone's been waiting for. It's the show that when the pandemic hit... And the realisation crept over me that even TV, my beloved TV, was going to be dramatically changed by the coronavirus. The thing that I realised rather quickly is we're going to have to wait a lot longer for that third season of Succession. Now it's here, it's been on TV, and we can talk about it. Jackson, why don't you talk us through where we are when we meet up with the Succession clan again? follows the Roy family, the wealthy Roy family. They are modeled loosely on the Murdoch family who owns Fox News. Um, They are headed by their patriarch, Logan Roy. Um, And then at the beginning of the series, he is uh, preparing to step down and name his son Kendall as his successor. He pulls the old switcheroo on him. Then Kendall tries to take over the company. Then he fails. And there's a lot of back and forth. And where we pick up season three is that Kendall has just given a press conference that throws Logan Roy under the bus for a massive sex abuse scandal involving their cruise lines. He went to the press conference with the idea that he was going to be taking the fall, but he threw Logan under the bus. That's the final moment of season two. Season three takes place moments later. Kendall is still on a high from doing this, and Logan is scrambling to figure out a, de- a defense. He ends up in Sarajevo, where they have no extradition clauses, treaties, um, so that he can hide out there while they figure out their next move. He names Jerry a successor, who is not one of the kids, but is Roman Roy, one of the kids, number one ally. Kendall is organizing his defense. He gets like a pretty good team together. He's got the lanky Greg. He's got Lisa Arthur who is a new introduced character. She is introduced as the best lawyer available. And he's got a, a team of PR people on board, and he is going to fight this thing. Your review is up on the website now by the time this podcast will be live. And you speak about it as if, you know, Kendall's, you said he's on a high. He's on the biggest high we've seen him on in the series. And we've seen him when he's On some pretty big high. highs. Yeah. yeah. I want to throw over, because I know what I think. Jackson knows what he thinks. And when I spoke to it about it with Matt earlier You spoke in the to week, it? Yeah, that's what I call you now. When I spoke to Matt earlier on in the week, he said he had thoughts. And I just, people to bear with us here, because this could be Matt's final appearance on the podcast if this doesn't go well. So no. I'm taking well, sit, sit. open invitations. Since I said that to you, I have watched it again and I have watched a few more episodes because we've got access to most of this series, haven't we, already? Yeah. I just thought it took a while to get going would be my summation of that first episode. There was a lot of admin. You get on that plane, you get on that plane. Some of it for me felt a bit, have we seen this before? You know, a lot of the insults back and forth, a lot of the... 
saying things without saying things. I want this person to take over, but I'm going to say I want this person to take over. But as it went on, I started to really enjoy it. I think all the stuff with Kendall is brilliant. I think Jeremy Strong is absolutely fantastic. What I would say is that the second episode sort of it, the first two sort of slot together as one big thing, and at the at the end of the second episode, you sort of know where all the pieces are. There's some great scenes in the second episode. I won't say any more than that, but some that I really enjoyed. It's still great, and I, I won't say much more about where it goes. But this first episode. It took a while for everything to get sorted out, if that at all makes sense. It does, but what I would say, and I think you, you're you right in a sense, and I think a lot of people won't have done what had the time or the inclination to do what Jackson and I did, which was to go and re-watch the second series in preparation for this. And had you done that or have other people done it, I think this episode flows really nicely because it feels like you know, he's in the press conference one second and on the road the next trying to mm-hmm. sort it out. We, it really flows really well on from the episode that, that came before it. I, I hear what you're saying for sure. Although a lot of the things that I think you're pointing to are kind of like intrinsic to the DNA of the show. Like the insults and people not saying what they mean, that's like the show. And mm. if, you, if you've grown tired of it, that's that's one thing. But I mean... It, that's what the show is going to be. Yeah, I just think, are they going to sort of move on from that or is it just going to be the same thing going forward? I know that's what people have gravitated towards. I think that it is the tool in which they are doing all of their other commentary and the way that they want to explore character and the way they want to do all these other things. That's the tool that they're going to use mm-hmm. rather okay. than, I don't think that that's necessarily always the point itself. I will also say that, like Luke said, I rewatched both uh, I think he just watched the second season, but I watched both seasons because I'm that guy. And uh, <laughs> and the show hits you very differently on a rewatch, knowing what people are planning. And you can kind of see what people are planning earlier. You can kind of tell when they're lying as opposed to in the moments in this third season premiere. I was really struck by just the thrill of not knowing what was going to happen again. Everything felt way more up in the air than it did at the beginning of season two. Well, they or the were in planes for the majority of it. I was going to make right. that joke, but I knew you would. <laughs> it feels like Logan is more on the ropes than he's ever been. It feels mm. like Kendall is in a good spot, but also we can see that he is so manic. And mm. also we know him well enough to know that like this is not going to end well. That whole just like flux of the whole thing was it was like a very fresh feeling for me especially having just rewatched everything i'll also say that i found a lot of interesting parallels between this premiere and the season two premiere which i wrote in the recap which you know you can read on the website but each of these seasons has started with logan basically naming a successor and it's been a different kid each time first season was kendall Second season was Shiv. This season is Jerry, but it's basically Roman because Roman and Jerry are uh, attached in a deeper way, let's say. And I thought that it was really interesting how they did all of those things. I thought that it was interesting how this begins in the aftermath of his of Kendall's press conference. And the second season starts with him giving a press conference to mm-hmm. help out his dad. And just the opposite thing there where... He basically lies in season two and is like, oh, I saw my dad's plan and it's better than theirs. 
And Logan says, that's the first thing that my son's ever done right in his life. And this time around, he is throwing his dad under the bus in a press conference. And everybody is telling him his girlfriend is like, maybe you're the best man in the world and, and all that other stuff. So I thought that those were kind of interesting parallels. And throughout the entire series, we've kind of seen this balance of whenever Kendall or Logan gains power or momentum, the other one fades. And it seems like it's a zero-sum game of the amount of energy that the two characters have. And this was like the first time we've seen Kendall have like the upper hand since like episode two when Logan was in a coma. I would disagree about the pacing. I found that it found its fit really quickly. The energy in Jeremy Strong's performance was something. And Kieran Culkin is just brilliant. And he gets little side comments which is what the character does that's his basic function but i thought he's in his prime more weight he's really in the best shape he could be and i thought there were little nods like tom and shiv having a brief aside on the tarmac saying we need to talk about how things are in the marriage and then he obviously rang shiv to say they're talking about hiring a successor so their relationship is still very much a team as well. And you don't really know where they are after Tom sort of proclaimed to Shiv on the beach, I think in Italy, saying, I'm happier without you than I am with you, and we need to talk about that. So it's playing a lot of things and picking up on a lot of things that it did the last season. I think most people will just be happy to have this show back because Mm. although it does the familiar beats, the sniping at each other, the insults and the... Who's going to succeed? I think it does it differently. I think it does it expertly. And I think the plot moves at such a speed that you just, as a viewer, you just carried along. Yeah, for me, I think it excels more in, in sort of the quieter moments when those masks slip a little bit. I That's what I like about this show. And you see how damaged these characters are. I, I suppose one of the big criticisms of this and, and sort of a barrier for a lot of people getting into it is that there's no likeable characters, and I've heard that criticism before. And I think you, you get to like these characters because you see how damaged they are and you see mm. the mind games that Logan plays with them throughout the seasons and you can see what happened in their childhoods as well because obviously this has been going on for years and years and how sort of messed it must up be they exhausting are really. to be them Nothing. yeah and yeah. i think especially in the character of shiv because obviously she was on the outside to start off with wasn't she and then she's come in to the to the family business and it's completely changed her character i, I think anyway in the last two seasons i know we live jackson in sort of a tv bubble but do you get the sense that Ordinary people like the show and are excited about its return. I think that like big HBO fans and people who really pride themselves on watching like high quality TV, yes, they're watching this show. I think the people who are like terminally online are watching the show. It doesn't get like great ratings, so I don't know like what the general temperature of it is in like the population. This is not like a perfect metric at all, but if you go onto like HBO's youtube channel and you look up like clips from the show they all have like really low views as opposed to like game of thrones stuff which is like millions upon gajillions of views Mm -hmm. i do think that this is going to be a very influential tv show when it's Mm -hmm. all said and done and i think that people who are making tv are watching succession and love it um Mm -hmm. and are very interested in it and in that way 
we're all going to be kind of watching it sooner or later because it's going to weasel its way into yeah, other I think it's uh, become art. a word of mouth type thing, hasn't it, over the last couple of years? You know, there's more people saying, people have told me I've got to watch this and I enjoyed it or I couldn't get yeah. into it. But it's one of those word of mouth things. And you're right, Jackson, that I think people are going to discover it once it's over as well and it will become in that sort of pantheon of, of great shows, I have no doubt. On the, the pacing thing um, from early, earlier, for most people, the show has been off the air for two years. So the show does need to check in with all of its characters mm, yeah. in a way that not all episodes do. Like, it has to have some moment with everybody in order to just remind everybody where everyone is, even if it's, like, very quick. The scene with, like, Connor and Willa is super quick and forgettable. But, like, <laughs> we do have to, like check in with them they do have there to is a fourth the... child here he is exactly we do have to <laughs> check in on tom although and logan forgot about character. him as well yeah yeah exactly the only character we didn't really see in this episode was Marsha, but she's been missing it at times as well mm, too so i don't know it's it's good to rem- it's good to see as well that uh, candles remembered he's got an ex-wife and children as well because i think he forgot about that in the last season a little bit named iverson yeah. i can't get over that I, I just want to I want to know because like you Matt I've heard this thing about it being unlikable people and that being a barrier to entry and you know it's normally a barrier of entry for me but I wonder why this works whether it's because it, it's the characters themselves poking fun at themselves and at the world around them but we can accept them because if this was a reality show that went exactly the same way, uh, there would be no way I'd be watching this. It is the dialogue to an extent as well, because I've been watching it sort of this afternoon and I've been laughing out loud at least once per episode. There are some great one-liners. As you go on, you do see that in the characters more and more, that the effect that Logan has had on them. And it is those quieter moments, like you mentioned Tom and Shiv on the beach. You know, you do feel sympathy for both of them and their situations. And I, I think you do have those moments where these characters come across as sympathetic and it is the pace as well and it is the intrigue. There are lots of things that I think appeal. But initially, if you remember, I didn't watch the rest of the season after we watched the first episode because it didn't do enough for me. But I went back to it and really enjoyed it when I binged the rest of it. I mean, I think there are a lot of reasons why people are invested in the show. Part of it is like this dark pleasure in watching these people who are the most powerful people in the entire world just get sucked into and taken down by the most petty little garbage Mm. and just watching them self-destruct because of all of their own flaws in a way that's kind of like oh these people don't deserve this power they just lucked into it and i think that the show's real genius is its ability to balance that feeling with also this feeling of sympathy or empathy for their damage which is an incredible tightrope to walk and something that i think is is what makes the show so so special and i think there are a lot of other reasons too i think yeah like you noted the jokes are great i think the dialogue is is excellent i think that all of the characters are very fully formed no one feels like a caricature um regardless of whatever the story is saying the show is just like very well made in that regard. Like it's just very well written. All the characters are very well designed. It has a very strong sense of itself. And I think that's something that the first season got a lot of 
criticism for. There was like a lot of like, oh, Succession finds itself in the fifth episode or the sixth or the seventh or whatever. And when I've rewatched it, I think that it has its. If you're anything like me, you're booked and busy. From family duties and work responsibilities to catching up on your favorite shows and podcasts. Yes, like Wrestling with Freddie, with me, Freddie Prince Jr. With all the responsibilities we have, it's always nice to have someone in your corner. That's why State Farm is there for you with your auto and home insurance needs, helping you protect the things you love and helping you save money. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. State Farm, proud sponsor of the Michael Tura Podcast Network. Life is full of surprises. Some good, some not so much. Hola, it's Honey. Hola, it's Carolina. Y sabes que estar preparado para cualquier cosa es importante. Whether that's in our roles as mothers, wives, businesswomen, or podcasters. On our show Life in Spanglish, you know that being open to unexpected turns has been an important part of our success. Pero we can use some help. Oh yes, la buena ayuda is welcome. Y si pasa algo, tranquilitos. Isn't it good knowing that with a State Farm agent you can worry less because someone will be personally invested in safeguarding your goals plus they have the options to talk to a real person whenever a customer needs especially when those unexpected turns come up it's the personalized attention you can count on aprende más en es.statefarm.com como un buen vecino state farm está ahí sense of self immediately i think that because of the way that it writes its dialogue and the way that it kind of just drops you into the middle of things and you have to kind of like learn the tonality of the show on the fly. I think it's more, it just takes us a little while to catch up to it than it yeah. is the show finding itself, if that makes sense. And there are moments that you forget when I rewatched it, like when Logan literally lashes out and smacks Roman in the face. It's really shocking to see that. I'd forgotten about the importance of that moment and the awkward kind of apology that the two get when they're in the limo together going somewhere it's sort of this feeling that we all have of being uncomfortable at times around the people closest to us they don't really know how to react when roman is held hostage uh, in a hotel and they sort of take the mickey out of him and he doesn't you know take kindly to it and he says it was really scary and we thought they were going to kill us but they don't have a mechanism other than these insults to communicate with each other. So that's strangely relatable, for me at least. I don't know what that says about me. It's <laughs> just one of but the... I, I think the Roman character, they establish that he struggles with intimacy, doesn't he? Yeah. And that that's sort of his f- flaw, and that's sort of his damage, I think. I think we saw that he uses the insults as a sort of smokescreen... Yeah. Because to sort of compensate for his own feelings of, of sort of self-worth or lack of self-worth, I should say. Succession continues Sundays on HBO and it is airing on Now and Sky Atlantic at the Od- same time it airs in America. So, yeah, and oddly, or... Sky also a Murdoch-owned property, which is a bit Very weird. weird. Very <laughs> weird, that, yes. I don't know quite if they made that connection, but we've just. I bet Jesse Armstrong loves that. That's sort of a bit of a joke that, you know, there's this sort of satire about the Murdochs that's airing on on a Murdoch platform. Let's do the other HBO property then, if you wouldn't mind, Matt. This is Scenes from a Marriage, which is all available as a box set now. 
This is um, based on a um, 1970s Swedish miniseries uh, directed by uh, Ingmar Bergman. Uh, it stars, as, as Luke said, Jessica Chastain and Oscar Isaac. Uh, they play Mira and Jonathan. She is in tech. He is a college professor. This first episode, I thought, was split into three acts. The first part is them talking about their relationship, how they met their sort of perceptions of where they are at the moment. You know, they're married, they've got a, a young daughter. Then we sort of flash towards a dinner party that they're having with a couple who are friends of theirs. And they're in sort of a non-monogamous... Mono, I can't say that word. Non um, oh, I can't do it either. No, exactly. I can't do it. Non-monogamous. Uh, that's the one. Yeah. yeah. Monogamous. Thank you. Can you need you just, that. You need that American accent for it. What yeah. I'll do if you could just say that again. Non-monogamous. Okay, because if that ever comes up, I'll just isolate that clip and play it. <laughs> and I can't. Every single time, just, <laughs> yeah. just post it in there. Non-monogamous. <laughs> yeah. The other couple end up having a having an argument, and Mira ends up consoling her friend, and then the the sort of the final act is. Mira announcing she's pregnant. It's an unplanned pregnancy, and they, there's a discussion about you know what they're going to do, and um, they decide to have an abortion, and it sort of ends at the abortion clinic. Well, no, it does end at the abortion clinic, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it does. Jackson, thoughts ah. on this non-monogamous <laughs> relationship? It's interesting because, at least over here, I haven't seen any discussion of the show itself at all really the only thing that i've really seen discussed is how jessica chastain and oscar isaac seemed pretty non-monogamous on the red carpet when they were like all feeling on each other um, now right i feel like you're just rubbing spouses. it in our face that you can say that word and we can't you've used it again <laughs> and i'm really self-conscious oh uh, what it. word non-monogamous yeah that's the one <laughs> I don't have a lot of thoughts about this show, to be honest. I think that it is fine. <laughs> um, well, uh, I, I'm going to switch it around, and I'm going to ask you guys a question. It's just—it's about these two characters, right, and yeah. their central relationship. And I guess I'm wondering if you think that that is enough for a five-episode thing, basically just two main characters um, and no other things going on um I, would... I mean no other people normally i am all about character driven dialogue driven drama it's it's what i love about tv you can follow characters over a long length of time by their use of dialogue you can learn a ton about them in a short space of time it's what tv gives me that i personally don't feel film gives me but this this show doesn't work for me because though the characters it chooses to focus on aren't very interesting they're very very bland people i've used this analogy a lot so apologies if you've heard me say it a lot on the podcast but when a drama is good i feel like i'm sat in the room with the characters so invested so connected to the world when it's bad like i felt this was i feel like i'm literally stood outside watching it through the pane of glass and i'm not emotionally invested or emotionally connected and this left me cold. If you're going to focus your show onto two characters, those characters have to be fascinating. I have to want to know every inch about their personal lives. I have to care. And 
they didn't have any chemistry as a pair. I didn't feel the history between them. And I just felt disconnected. And that was that was after I just managed to wrap my head around the bizarre opening thing that it does, which I have never seen a show do before. Was this what I you never... were talking about before yes. when you said... Yeah, it just it wrong-foots me. And I think, what is the purpose of it? Is you that know, when it's... Jessica Chastain appears yeah. on set? It's a device where the, the actress, Jessica Chastain, who is appearing in this as a disgruntled married woman, appears as herself, getting mic'd up and, and sorted out by an assistant before the director calls I, action. I, I do wonder the... if that's something that happened in the original miniseries. I, you know, maybe should have done a bit of research into that, but I wonder if that is a a nod to that, because it does seem like something Bergman might do, and I, I yeah. wonder if it's that. But I think this device can work, because uh, the creator, director and writer Haggai Levy, I think is how you pronounce it, he was instrumental in the original series, the HBO series In Treatment, which is basically a counselling session between Gabriel Byrne's character and the character of the week, and those char- those. Therapy sessions are really fascinating because he learns more and more about the characters and he's got a, a, a strange backstory as well. You know, so these back and forths can work and it worked in that brilliant episode of Euphoria where it's just Zendaya in the diner with her sponsor for the entire episode just chatting things through. So I'm not entirely adverse to just two people in a room but those two people in the room need to be having either an interesting conversation or need to be interesting people. And I felt like that's where this fell down for me. So and was that a yes like, to the question Jackson asked? Or? The original question I have forgotten <laughs> the majority of. Um, I feel like you answered the question. I mean, the question was more of a launching pad to talk about. Yeah. Uh, the only ones that they're really asking you to invest in are... Uh, Oscar Isaac and Jessica Chastain's mm. characters, right? Yeah. Like that, the show is about them, and the show has like this really like muted tone, and I don't know, it just seems like a very, it feels like kind of bleak to spend mm. five hours with these with these two characters. I I love bleakness. I you know I'm a big I'm a big you know bleak kind of person, but for whatever reason. I just didn't think this, it worked. Yeah. yeah, this to me as Luke knows is one of my big irritations yes. about these people who <laughs> who seem quite well off but are, are yet finding things to complain about in their lives. And, you know, they have this lovely house, you know, a, a daughter, they're both in good jobs, yet they're these little things beneath the surface. I just took against them straight away. I'm sorry. I just I, don't like yeah, this sort so of middle classness. It just gets me on edge. Um, is that what is that was that a barrier for entry on Succession as well? These like characters no, who are no, wealthy they, but still they, complain they would, about stuff. See, th- those characters feel nuanced to me, whereas mm. these felt like archetypes and just no. people we'd seen before. Because in Succession, it's more sort of you know, it's their pa- they're never saying, "Oh, I am depressed." You know, you can see Where they are, me. Yeah. but they're never complaining. Where is me? Whereas in here, they are being asked to and. The, the other couple who were introduced, I found really annoying. <laughs> the the non-non, I'm going to take another stab at it, non-monogamous. Well done. Thank you. That's the, you need to do a run-up. That's what you need to do. 
I've put my teeth in now, you see. And that, <laughs> it's, the, that, it's the bad British teeth that we've yeah. got that really yeah. makes it awkward. That's where it sort of fell down for me. I, yeah. I liked, again, I, I used this one, the, the, sort of the quieter moments, that scene where they were doing their teeth together. I know that sounds really weird. Those were the moments where you believed the couple that they had, they've had this routine for years. But when they started talking, they lost me. I thought Jessica Chastain's performance in the final act when they went to get the abortion, I thought that was very strong. But the the sort of the first two acts where we'd seen them discuss their relationship, have this conversation with their friends, I just I just found them all very irritating characters, and and I just a... didn't really want to spend much more time with them. We just seem to be in a TV era where we've we've watched a show every week where there's this really annoying dinner party sequence where people who are well off and wealthy just moan about their well off and wealthy lives and how miserable they are. Normally, there are those British TV dramas where they all have sort of menial jobs, yet live in these sort of show homes. Yeah. But what I would say to some of the things as well, I think maybe they are leaning on the original because obviously they have named it scenes from a marriage. So that I think the muted tones could be sort of related to the the original. I know having seen some some Bergman films, he sort of you know plays into that realism aspect. So I would assume sort of the tone of it and perhaps the initial scene with Jessica Chastain is taking from that. And obviously they're putting sort of the modern spin on the relationship here with her being the breadwinner and him being the caregiver. That's one of the things that they bring up early on. Um, But yeah, no, it just wasn't. I also felt it went out of its way to be really contemporary, like the, the woman asking them what their preferred pronouns were and things. I was never not aware that I was watching a TV show, and for me that is a a huge no no. I should be completely invested. I should, you know, that hour of succession raced by, and I was watching it on my computer screen, and I was still invested. Although, you know, next time I'll cast it to the TV like a real person. Yeah, but, do um, that. That's that's yeah. on you. No, <laughs> <laughs> we haven't seen the original series. I don't think any no. of us have, uh, judging no. by this conversation. Um, but. Yeah. You we're talking about how, oh, he might have pulled from this part of the original, the, the Ingvar Bergman. Yeah, maybe, but also, you know, I don't think that this is necessarily, like, insulting to say, but I don't think that he is Ingmar Bergman. No. Sometimes you just can't pull off the same things that super famous all-time yeah. directors can pull off. Um, no, yeah, I agree. And, that's, and there's, no, there's no shame in that. No, but I'm just thinking, why call it that then? Why, why sort of borrow from an existing property? Yeah. Oh, that I have an easy answer for, yeah. and that is because everything has to be based on an, a pre-existing <laughs> property these days. So even uh, an obscure Swedish miniseries from the 1970s. Was this? But you know Swedish... who directed that obscure Swedish miniseries? Yeah, Mark Bergman, and yeah. that yeah. person has some cachet. Uh, what's what's really nice. insulting about this show, personally, is that yeah. they didn't include any of the Scars guards. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what are they doing? Although they pop up. One in of them's on succession, is what was what. Yeah. One of the, yeah. The scenes of a marriage continues on Sky Atlantic, and now, and it's finished on HBO. Jackson, did you watch this on HBO Max? I did. Yes. How many streaming services do you currently subscribe to? Uh, HBO Max, Netflix, 
Yeah. Hulu. Yeah. Amazon Prime. <laughs> uh. Disney Plus? Disney Plus and Apple TV Plus. Yep, that's all of them. Oh my god! And do you have TD TV as well? No, I've cut the oh, the okay. TV TV. So you that was have... where I drew the line. I was like, no more of this. Yeah. So if you wanted to watch Impeachment, which we'll finish on after we've done the next one, if you wanted to, you just can't watch it anywhere. I mean, I have my ways, but yeah, no, not not really. Okay, okay. Interesting. I think a lot of people are, they call you cord cutters, don't they? They do. I think that this was um, an experiment of sorts because last year they did Mrs. America, which was FX on Hulu. You couldn't watch that on FX. You live in a world where you can't watch what we do in the shadows, series season three, or you can. No, I can watch that. I'm saying most of everything that's on FX ends up on Hulu. Some things that are branded as FX are only on Hulu now, like Mrs. America or uh, Devs from last year. Yeah. And they're still, like, playing around with it, and I think they're experimenting to see, uh, especially for a show like this, which I think is probably aimed at an older audience, like an audience mm-hmm. that was that, that has more of a an adult memory of the impeachment. The Clinton scandal, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um so I think that they might be trying to, to see if they can kind of hone into specific audiences that way. We're talking, of course, about um, impeachment, colon, got to get a colon in, uh, American Crime Story, impeach, what have I done? I've missed the colon, I've missed the colon. <laughs> no, you've done it, impeachment, impeachment colon, colon, American, American Crime Story. I can't story. believe that you claim to be a fan <laughs> of colons. <laughs> this is created... Uh, as all of these things... So we are going America. into this now. We're going into this. I've, I've decided. Jackson did a segue that I wasn't prepared for and <laughs> propelled us into this. So this is created as all these things are by Ryan Murphy, which also in turn means it has to star um, Sarah Paulson, which in my view here is a masterstroke. Uh, she plays Linda Tripp, who has worked at the White House and within government in Washington for quite a while. Uh, she is uh, relocated to the Pentagon following the suicide of the White House counselor, Vint Foster, whose uh, life and death becomes the focus of a potential tell-all book that uh, Linda Tripp wants to write. It is sort of rumoured that this guy that kills himself was having an affair with Hillary Clinton, who is played later on by Edie Falco, though we don't meet her here. Linda Tripp, who is sort of this... But I don't know how you'd describe her. I, she's the, one of the most fascinating TV characters I've seen in a long time. She's, she's got a strong sense of mora- self-worth. Self-worth, and morality, I, right I and mean, wrong. I'll, I'll go into it in a bit, but you could draw a, a line between her and, and Kunanan from the Versace. Yes, yeah, except with, She's basically most... Kunanan without the murders. Yeah, which, you know, what's the point? <laughs> um, she reaches out to Margot Martindale's publisher and says, I'd like to write a book, to which um, uh, Margot Martindale says, nobody cares Lucy about... Lucianne Goldberg is the character. Yeah, nobody, nobody cares about, you know, Vince, his story's long gone. I need you to get me something on Bill Clinton. Uh, meanwhile, we're introduced to Paula Jones a young woman who is uh, in a relationship with a guy. It's been long known that she went to see then-Governor Clinton in his hotel room and he asked her to perform certain acts. 
she tries to set out a lawsuit. We started our company, Girls Who Do Interiors, before we even graduated design school. And we turned to Chase for Business to build along with us. They had everything from banking to payment acceptance to credit cards all in one place. And with the Chase mobile app, our business is wherever we are. It's made for business owners who build to inspire. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Real customers compensated. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank and a member FDIC. Deck your home with Blinds.com. DIY or let us install. Free design consultation. Plus free samples and free shipping. Ho ho ho! Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high quality window treatments with no showroom mockups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople. Saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to Blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop Blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. To Clinton on, on this before the statute of limitations, which only lasts three years, runs out. She says, I don't want any money from him per se, but I'd like an apology because it's ruining my name and reputation. Oh, and my husband, who's an actor, would like a role on Designing Women, which was a US sitcom starring, I think, Delta Burke or one of them. And then Linda Tripp, who is sort of a corrosive form in Washington. She's not that respected. She's moved to the Pentagon where she's got sort of a normal... So she's moved job. in, like, 92, isn't she? Or 93, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. Spoiler alert, Linda Tripp is uh, never going to be super well-liked, ever. Yes. That job leads her to become friendly with a young intern, played by Beanie Feldstein. This is, of course, Monica Lewinsky. They strike up an unlikely friendship, being that Linda Tripp is a lot older than, than Monica Lewinsky. She doesn't quite understand how this young girl has had so much influence and interest in being in Washington at such a young age and then realises that she has a connection to the president and realises what that well, might mean. What, what she says is that she's got a boyfriend in the White House. Mm. So this is 96. She says, I've got yeah. a boyfriend in the White House. He wants me to work here until yeah. sort of re-election. And then he's going to ask me to come back to the White yeah. House. That is all that she says at first. And it's later that she reveals to Linda that it is actually Bill Clinton, quote unquote, boyfriend. So that is where we are. And I should also say there's a great scene where uh, Paula Jones draws Bill Clinton's penis as well and says it's got a and, turn in it. And I suppose the, the start, you do have the, the Luke special, don't you, where the sort of the 1998 with Monica Lewinsky looking to leave Washington, go back to New York. And she basically gets set up by Linda Tripp and interviewed by uh, the FBI, led by Colin Hanks in this. Yeah. Do you know what, though? I didn't mind it. And I'll tell you why I didn't mind it. Because I, I remember the I did not have sexual relations with this that woman, that famous clip we all know. I don't have a great idea of who Linda Tripp is. And it's important to say that Monica Lewinsky was instrumental in getting this on screen. 
and I'm aware of all its flaws and I appreciate some people may not like this. I have found it completely riveting. I am up to date on it. I think Sarah Paulson and Beanie Feldstein together are amazing. I think it's one of my favourite shows this year and I'm aware that it does that usual Ryan Murphy thing of putting people who shouldn't be in roles in roles and making them wear ridiculous wigs and makeup to make sure they bear a resemblance to Bill Clinton in the case of Clive Owen. But the storytelling and the characterization and the fact that at times you hate Linda Tripp and at other times you sympathise with her. At times Monica Lewinsky is this bewildered young girl who feels like she's fallen in love with somebody but it isn't reciprocated at other times you think she can be quite manipulative and younger than the 24 years of her age. I think it's brilliantly done and I think everybody should be watching it. That's why I wanted to talk about it this week. And now Matt, as is always his job, is to poo-poo something I love. So It's on your chips. That's a very English phrase. That that's... Is. I, I would also say that as is always the case, I find with these... American Crime Story colons or colon before. I'm not such a fan of colons, I realise now. But um, <laughs> I also find that the first episode is the weakest. If you like anything about this first episode, the the storytelling and the and it's not all over the place time-wise. It's, you know, we don't get to that flashback scene until episode six that just aired last week in America. I, I think it's wonderful. Go on then, Matt. Tell me why you didn't oh. like it. Uh, on your recommendation because you said to me off air that the first episode isn't great and it does get going after that I did watch the second one as well just to to get some context Uh what I will say is I think people just generally are going to struggle because I think they are going to be tuning in expecting to see the Clintons really you know that that's what the story is. I don't think they will be expecting an episode about this lady that nobody, certainly in the UK, I think from what Jackson alluded there, Linda Tripp is a, is a more well-known figure Divisive in the States. Figure. Is that right? Amongst like nerds like me, yeah, sure. <laughs> Why, are you a big Linda Tripp nerd? <laughs> Disclaimer to people listening to the podcast, I do not have access to watching this show but i, could have I am sent bringing... it to you if you just told me i'm so annoyed about that because i loved your your twist on it your way your views on it we're getting a different twist which is that i'm just uh an american who is fascinated by the monica Lewinsky scandal the investigation that eventually leads to the impeachment which is the ken star investigation mm, mm. Um, which included now uh supreme court justice brett kavanaugh was was made possible because of Linda Tripp's uh, illegal leaks that um, kind of shows the the silliness of it. Um, well, to, I am. Some... We're talking about this under the irony that I am recording this call for the purposes of podcasts. But, I like most <laughs> but I'm aware of that, you know. So, yeah. um, sorry, how, Linda how, Tripp how is. Was, not... How did you feel when they said they were going to do this? I don't have like a ton of faith in uh, Ryan Murphy to like actually. Well, he hasn't written it. Sarah Burgess has written it. Sure, and I think she does a fantastic job. He's just the name at the top. He directs a couple, but he's not over over it all. I mean, it's it's part of the same universe as Versace it's very and Wiki. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> this one and and the one that I keep thinking of is the the People versus OJ because they're both 
you know, these American, uh, more, more so than Versace, are these American uh, 90s, especially, flashpoints of culture. And uh, they're, like, trying to create this, like, verisimilitude of how all these characters, like, look. Like, they're, like you yeah. said, they're kind of, like, shoehorning Clive yeah. Owen into into Bill Clinton. They want and everyone it, it, to, like, look accurate. Strangely, so, it works for me. With a weird no- he has got a prosthetic nose, hasn't he? When you try to go for that level of like reality, I feel like there's also a an obligation to be very accurate in the facts that you are actually talking about. And I don't have like a ton of faith in him to get the, the nuances of all of these angles right. Well, a lot of your points, I feel the same. It's the reason I don't get the fascination with something like The Crown. I can't watch that. I have no interest in that really. I think they're just, it's all made up, it's all hammy performances, and it's just people pretending to be the people we know, which is exactly what this is. But I feel like this has a sheen to it and a an interest to it that I can but separate you myself You couldn't get from. into the OJ one, could you, Luke? I went back to it and, and really enjoyed it. Again, I think the first episode there is a barrier of entry. Matt, mm. I feel like we cut you off. You said you, you did, because I, I, I went to ask... Jackson about Linda Tripp and then you just yeah. <laughs> um, I think people will struggle in this because it is mainly the Linda Tripp story this first episode and mm-hmm. as I said I think there are those uh, parallels with Cunanan in these are people who want to be more important than they are that yeah. you know they're they want to be been... respected by their yeah. colleagues and they just because aren't. with with Kuna, and I think maybe where Versace worked was that although Versace's name was there, and we did have the Versace side of it with Penelope Cruz and Ricky Martin and all of that, the main focus was on Cunanan, who we didn't really know all that well in his story, and that was the main focus of that. And going back and looking at, you know, all the crimes he had committed ahead of assassinating Versace, and that was the fascination I think with that series, and that's why I enjoyed that as much as I did here with Linda Tripp. I did struggle with her because she's she's like this passive aggressive character who, mm-hmm. you know, I've worked at the White House for years. I'm very senior. And then she's told in no uncertain terms by the lady above her or one of her colleagues, we asked around, nobody wanted you here. That's why you're being shunted off to the Pentagon, basically, even though it's a, a pay rise of something like 20 grand or something, wasn't it? And then she's having to desk share which she hates you know she's (laughs) she you see her there in front of the tv with her tv dinner looking quite despondent she has a very miserable home life she's got teenage kids that don't really want anything to do with her because they're Mm. at that stage of life and so when monica Lewinsky unwittingly ends up in her life it fascinates me because why does she pay any attention to her really she's just this ditzy young girl who's found herself in Washington. And I think initially the friendship between them feels genuine. It doesn't feel like it's there because Linda Tripp's going to gain anything from it. And I think Sarah Paulson and Benny Feldstein work well together. Yeah, and I think it's partly because she's been where she has. You know, she. I think she finds this sort of ally in someone else who was in in the White House and has now been taken to the Pentagon and the reason for that was it the same as the reason they let me go. I mean, I do like Sarah Paulson. I like her. I, I think this is maybe, you know, when he, her and Ryan Murphy get together, it is a bit hit and miss. 
going back to Mrs. America, I really liked her in that. I thought she was, because her, her performance in that was a lot more toned down here. It is very big. It is very Whig-centric. Where I will agree with you is Beanie Feldstein, I think, is, is magnificent. I think her performance as Lewinsky is what I think people will remember about this. Mm. Um I think that the struggle as well is the sort of the shoehorning into the Paula Jones stuff. But the reason Monica Lewinsky is in trouble is she wants to, they want her to testify initially in the Paula Jones Yeah, I, I, so I, it, I get that. Is... But I, what I'm saying is like narratively, in terms of the story, when we are going to Paula Jones, it sort of is a separate thing. And I think it's shoehorning that in because it is important as you say and it is vital we have that it, it it seems like the writers find it hard to put the Paula Jones bits in because they are taking you away from from the main action I know it all comes together eventually but it yeah. does feel quite awkward in terms of the storytelling at this time I that certainly that's what I felt anyway about this but on the whole I enjoyed it I don't think I liked it as much as you did but you know, good performances. Margot Martindale it gives a very Margot Martindale performance. Yeah, she doesn't exactly as, try to do as Lucy. Character Martindale. actress, Margot Martindale. Yes, yes the character the, actress. Yeah. It's, it's well acted. It is... I mean, I, I wouldn't say it, it's anything new, you know, no new commentary really on the sort of the, the scandal, but an easy watch and i will be watching uh, you know we'll be watching good. more of it i think good i i'm so pleased jackson you had a question for the panel yeah one of the things that people talk about when they talk about the lewinsky yeah. uh clinton scandal here especially in retrospect is how poorly the media treated monica lewinsky and obviously you said she's involved in the yeah. creation of the show and i was just kind of wondering how they tackle both that and uh you know how much they portray her as a as a victim or a sympathetic character or uh, what, what kind of nuance they they kind of cast okay. around we haven't got to the stage where the media have a go I, at monica Lansky. i think what we could how we could answer that question a little bit though is they do show you how harsh the media are to paula jones in that first episode mm. if that is yeah. some way of answering the question that, and they do treat her yes. quite poorly yeah, that's okay. a horrible scene. Yeah, and it's framed in a in a sympathetic to Paula Jones yes. way. Yeah, definitely. Okay. But I think Beanie Feldstein does an excellent job as Monica Lewinsky because she comes across very natural, very timid, perhaps very naive, never stupid. I mean, they, they, they don't paint her to be this sort of victim. She's almost, in a way, even in the sixth episode where everything comes unraveled for her and she realises that Linda Tripp has done this awful thing and taken her to the FBI, even then she's sort of saying, well, I don't want to embarrass the president. I don't know much about Monica Lewinsky outside of the scandal. I haven't done a lot of research on her. I haven't watched her on YouTube. But this paints her, I think, very accurately, very mm. fairly. It, 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 doesn't, it, makes it sense doesn't make her a heroine. It just makes her a mm. naive... Yeah. Young person who mm. was perhaps taking advantage of. I would of. say they're basically saying Bill Clinton should have known better. I think from watching that second episode, I haven't seen any more. But from watching their initial interactions, 
But I, I, I think going back then, to my original point, people who are tuning in to watch this on BBC Two on Tuesday night, I think are going to be a bit disappointed that it isn't focusing more on Bill Clinton because that, I think, is what the programme's being sold as. But then as. you could make that argument that the OJ one wasn't fully on OJ. It was on Sterling K. Brown and Sarah Paulson as the lawyers. It was on, you know... Yeah, OJ but the was... first... I think with, with OJ and with Versace, the first episodes do focus on those on those characters more than this does on Clinton. Clinton's in one scene at the very end here, isn't he, when he's on the phone? I, I think what these shows do well is they use the scandal we know and the story we think we know and they tell the story mm. on the sides mm. that are really But I, I'm just saying, as a general person deciding to watch this on Tuesday night on BBC yeah. Two, I think the expectation is that this is going to be... Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky. So when you're tuning in and it's all yeah, about Linda Tripp, you are going to be disappointed. And, having and there's also at... that thing of, you know, they're just tuning in to see how well Clive mm. Owen can do so, a Bill Yeah, Bill and again, you don't really see that. You see him in no. one scene at the end. I want to give a shout out as well to Colby Smulders as the, oh yeah, as reporter Ann Coulter from I think Fox News. I know Ann Coulter from being in the States. Her voice is spot on. And I actually had to do a double take and realise it was Robin from How I Met Your Mother because she just does that so well. Sometimes these casting decisions seem bizarre and sometimes they actually work well. And have we sold you at all, Jackson, on something that you weren't 100% keen on watching? You know, I wasn't 100% keen on watching it before and now I'm like, uh, I don't know, I maybe I'll watch it. Okay. <laughs> Have you told your friends about this podcast? Okay, here we go. No. It's just not my idea of a good time. Tell them now. That's what the people want to hear. This is the Custard TV podcast. Good glass drop. From thecustardtv.com. Right, we're going to finish off on a comedy that lived on FX in the States where Jackson lives and will live on Disney Plus. Uh, actually, star on Disney Plus, which for Jackson is basically our version of Hulu all of a sudden, uh, on Disney Plus here in the UK. Tell us what Reservation Dogs is. Reservation Dogs is a comedy from Sterling Harjo, and it's helped brought to TV by Taika Waititi, who you may have heard of. He's kind of famous. Mm -hmm. It follows a group of indigenous people in Oklahoma. It's the first show ever shot entirely in Oklahoma, which is kind of cool. And it's basically one of the first shows that's all indigenous writers and directors and almost the entire cast is indigenous American as well. Mm -hmm. And in that vein, it is very much just trying to bring light to a community that is often overlooked in the United States. And I, I imagine elsewhere in the country, in the it's world. It's definitely overlooked because how is this the first time that these lives exactly. have been de depicted like this? Right, exactly. And it is very, it takes place in modern day. Um, and it's about these four kids, teenagers, and their quest to make enough money to leave the reservation and move to California after their friend Daniel has died tragically about a year before the series starts. Um, they make money by any number of crimes or robberies and mm -hmm. uh and Selling outwitting the, pies yeah and just outwitting the mostly bumbling uh cop in the in the area yeah i mean that's the basic premise um and then each episode is is pretty standalone 
Yeah. Uh, what, how many of these episodes have you guys seen? I've, I've watched seen... Sorry, go three. On, Same I've as... Seen... I've yeah. seen five now. Oh, I've okay, yeah. Do you ask me to watch three? There's two, I think, on Disney Plus on... Do you say Wednesday? Yeah. Is that right? Cool. Um, it's Jackson... just good to remember, because I, I, the whole series ended here in the States in the end of September, so about a month ago. Deck your home with Blinds.com DIY or let us install Free design consultation Plus free samples and free shipping Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high-quality window treatments with no showroom mock-ups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople, saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to Blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop Blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... As easy as pie? Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or VIN. As easy as a stroll in the park. Okay, then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds. As easy as singing. Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop off and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot. As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult. But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today. Um, what, what drew you to it in the first place as a TV fan? Was it just seeing a world that hadn't been depicted before? Is that what your original, your initial in was? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I'm likely to watch any comedies that FX puts out, or at least try them. They just have like a good track record for me. Uh, I like enough of them that I'm willing to try any of them or at least give them a look. And then, yeah, exactly. I think one of the great things that TV does is it allows us to see communities that are geographically different than ours or culturally different. And we're able to actually like listen to their, their, I mean, TV and film, but actually listen to their stories and, uh, and kind of be brought into those, into those worlds and, and gain a, an appreciation for them. Well, I, I was onto this for the same reason as you, because I, I couldn't believe that we're in 2021 and here we are seeing these stories of indigenous people in the US and I hadn't seen a drama about them, let alone a comedy. So that piqued my interest immediately. And I think for the most part, it really works. I think we've spoken a lot this podcast about shows that mainly feature people that if you were sat next to a next to on the bus you would move seats you wouldn't want to be anywhere near <laughs> Justine in, in scenes of marriage and you wouldn't want to be anywhere near Linda Tripp in American Crime Story and you wouldn't want to be anywhere near the succession lot unless you happen to be on a private plane anyway the core group of friends here are, are really just nice people yes they steal and they they rob to to better their self and get their California fund. They've got aspirations, as you say, of leaving this life behind that doesn't uh, offer them a great deal. I'm not really sure. I think they, they view California as a safe place to go, as a place where opportunity can be afforded to them. 
Where it falls down slightly is it does a few fanciful things. Um, I think it's Bear, the lead character, often seeing a an American Indian and Bear's mother in later episodes sees a version of herself who chats that to her feels... and things. Very sort of, I suppose, Watiti with the the Jojo Rabbit thing. Yeah. That's what what it yeah. spoke to me. That you know the the whole seeing Hitler in Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. That's what that reminded me of. It did for me. It doesn't really work, Jackson. I'd be interested in your opinion on that. I, I'm no expert by any means. So with all oh, those caveats, what, in that case, I booked the wrong person. This one, <laughs> but. I imagine that it it seems to be pretty central to the character's culture um, mm. of being in this, uh, you know, they talk a lot about, like, uh, having, like, this reverence for nature and, and uh, talking about all of those things and stuff that, like, this kind of mystical element to things. And I love how it is able to tie that in. Yeah, I, I really appreciated that, actually, the, uh, the fanciful element. They are played for for jokes or for laughs but they're also kind of as a way to root these characters in this culture which and this place that the show is is ultimately about i think they view california as an escape in in some parts yes it's economic opportunity or whatever else and in other ways i think most fundamentally it's about leaving behind this life there is a lot of movies and reporting and and these are very real issues about uh just how much life sucks on reservations and they're not given the same amounts of of opportunity or health care or anything like that there's a lot of there's been a lot of like suicide and alcoholism and it's just it's not great this just in the united states not great to native americans and (laughs) um I think that them thinking about California and and doing that is kind of like we're going to escape this box Mm. that we've been put into. For that to work, you have to kind of understand what that box is and who – how this box made these characters the way they are. And and for that reason, I really appreciate all of the the mystical stuff. And I mean – there's going to be more mystical stuff coming up, Um, just a heads up. That, That is definitely part of the show. What I appreciated about it was how layered these young people were. There's an episode Matt won't have seen because I watched on where we meet Bear's dad and he's actually, he's a loser, but he's a well-known rapper. And he's somebody who his mother had a one-night stand with, years, obviously years previous, before Bear was born, and he lets him down. And there's just a lot of, there's a lot of good humour, but there's a lot of pathos and there's a lot of seriousness woven into the story they reminisce a lot about daniel and i i use this phrase a lot but it manages to be sweet without tugging directly on your heartstrings and doing the puppy dog eyes you know it just manages to be funny without being side splitting but it's just a nice half hour to spend with these people and it has its heart completely in the right place and i think it's all it's a real pleasure that we have it here in the uk but i feel like the platform it's on will mean it's not, you know, well-viewed or well-respected. And, of course, the UK doesn't have this same connection with the indigenous American population as, as you would, Jackson. But I think it is a special show, and I'm glad we're at a point where we can talk about it. Uh, Matt, you presumably didn't like it, because I liked it. 
I did not like it. I enjoyed it. I thought the, the chemistry between the four uh, young leads was very strong. You know, you believed their friendship and and their want to i i suppose the the sort of the going to california thing that you've been talking about it's not wanting the same life as they've seen yeah from their from their parents and the and the other people in the community uh, but i did get the impression as well that this money that they're saving is is being spent on a regular basis as well yeah. and yeah. it's something that may not ever happen it reminded me a lot of Betty, actually, is the thing that I would, you know, it's it's spending time with these characters, you're dropping in on their lives. It's not particularly plot heavy. It's not something that I, you know, I watched this sort of about a week ago and it hasn't really stuck with me all that much. I think the episode that I enjoyed the most was the third one with the, where we, we meet Elora's uncle yeah. who sort of lived off the you know off the grid for a while and comes back and tries to sell his weed and no one wants it because he's <laughs> really old and yeah. and you know he's he's legendary for ha- picking this fight in this bar and I, and I enjoyed that and I enjoyed bits of it but it's just something that didn't really make a strong impression on me not to say that I didn't enjoy it but it, it I don't think it's something that I'll be watching any more of I would encourage you to make the very small uh weekly investment of 25 minutes to okay. watch it it isn't much of a much of an ask it's not gonna pull like it's it's not like a downer to watch um there's some laughs and i think that the last like three episodes of the show are very solid um the sixth episode is one of my favorites of the year regardless of tv shows uh, regardless of show so <laughs> okay. you know it's not something that's like wowing you with um no with like sight with like a veep level wit uh in terms of like insults or or whatever else and yeah it's not doing that it's not coming up with these like arrested development style rube goldberg kind of like scenarios that climax in some kind of crazy way i think that the show really cares for its characters and mm, yeah, I agree. sometimes i think that that is uh all you really need to get started and then uh the show can kind of come to life out of that and i think that it does take a couple episodes to get into its groove but i think that if i mean i watched it weekly and i every time it popped up on my on my hulu i was like oh yeah that'll be fun and i turned it on and i you know i had a good time so um i think that it is one of the more pleasant watches of the of the year and i think that it is very well made and i'm really looking forward to the second season as you mentioned at the beginning, to let new people get their voice out there and, and look at that culture and maybe the the malaise of, of, of the sort of the modern youth who, who have seen generations of this culture and want more out of it. And that's sort of, I think, the theme here. And, it, and you know, it's good to have those voices, be, you know, behind the camera as well and have, you know, as you mentioned, the, the sort of the mainly indigenous crew who are working on this, and I believe that Ytts is mainly sort of an advisory role, isn't it, rather than... Yeah. yeah. I, I would say that even it. beyond that, just it's not just, oh, this is a show made by these uh, Indigenous people, and it's about these Indigenous people, and therefore it's good to be... Like, it's an interesting cultural experience for, mm. for us. Um, but I think that the stories that they are telling are different, and yeah. they stand out. Like I said, I think I really appreciate the the mix of mysticism that doesn't really go anywhere. Like there's no 
they're not trying to like define the rules of the magic of this world. And it kind of happens in the background when people aren't looking. And I really appreciate that because I think that that is just a really different kind of, of story and uh, something that I really appreciate not needing to know all of the answers. And, and that was just fresh and new to me. And I really, I really appreciated that. I think it's good that we're in an era of, and I would say this is particular of American cable comedy uh, now, is that Matt mentioned Betty, and you could also draw parallels, I think, with better things, where as a viewer, it's almost like you say, we're dropped into the lives of these characters, and we get to sort of eavesdrop on them and enjoy their journey with them. But there's no sort of ABC plot. There's not a traditional, for lack of a better phrase, network comedy. It is very much following these characters around. And the fact that you really like them, you really root for them, and you see they've got a heart, is instantly puts you on their side without it having to do a lot. And I think the young cast do an excellent job, considering everyone in this is virtually an unknown. I, I just really appreciated it being something different, something new. You couldn't say, we could say it felt like Betty and it felt like better things and it felt like Atlanta or whatever, but it felt more so like its own thing and people finally getting the opportunity to tell yeah. their stories. And you can't knock that. And as we, as we always say, that is when TV is at its best is when it shines a light on cultures that we wouldn't normally either interact with or see on screen. And that's why I get so frustrated when our channels over here and, and maybe Fox, NBC, ABC in the US keep commissioning these sort of run-of-the-mill dramas that we feel like we've seen a million times. And that's what the majority of people have their eyes on. And something like this on Disney Plus might get overlooked. Uh, it just seems a shame. And I, I'm glad we're getting it, but I wish... I, I think my, my rebuttal to that would be, though, I think, you know, they don't have to worry about the advertisers. No, that's true. Reservation Dogs on Wednesday on Star on Disney+. Plus. Thank you so much to Jackson for joining us. This has been one of my favourite podcasts this week, I would say. <laughs> one of the best ones we've done this week is this one, I would definitely nice. say. If people want to find you, and then uh, this is quite unique because normally... Although you write for the site, that isn't what you do. You have a profile on YouTube. You do these long, you know, in-depth video essays, really examining TV shows that excite you and really delve into what makes them the creatures that they are. You tell us one that you're in most proud of and, and one that you wish people would see as a sort of a, a portfolio of yours to get them interested. If oh, jeez. Uh <laughs> So the channel's called Skip Intro. Uh, I've been doing a series on cop shows for the last year or so, which, you know, that's its own beast. Um, I'm hoping to get back to sprinkling in some more stuff that is exactly what Luke was talking about, which is that uh, passion kind of stuff that I, I'm really excited about. Um, maybe one of the ones that I like the most is the, the Mind Hunter one I did a year or two ago after the second season and just about how the show shoots and tells so much information without um, necessarily telling us anything uh, directly. So even though it's just people sitting in a room talking, it somehow is able to really use its camera to tell 
deeper stories with a lot of subtext. And I really like your video on normal people that you did as well. That was a really Thank good you. one. That one, I, I also did that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, the correct answer, Jackson, was they're all my favorites. You should watch them all. That's really? I mean, yeah, that's what you should do. But I'm not going to tell people what to do with their Sunday, you know? <laughs> You can find you can find Jackson there. The channel again is called Skip Intro on YouTube. Uh, there's content on on the cop shows, as he says in the propaganda. Also, uh, things on Fleabag, Normal People, Arrested Development, Killing Eve, things that the British audience might find interesting as well. So please go and support him. He's got a Patreon as well. Go and send him some money. No, but one of my favourites is uh, a show that I discovered during lockdown. He talks very passionately about the shield which is an amazing show that not many people in the uk have seen and that one's really interesting because in a lot of ways your propaganda series for me is saying we don't portray cops well on television and yet that is a show that doesn't that somehow we both fell in love with and i think your argument there is really fascinating so please Go and support Jackson if you've heard him on the podcast and you've you've read the Succession reviews or whatever he's written for the site. And uh, I'm really and there will be a Succession video coming out soon, so yes, you can and look I'm forward really to that. Pleased. He's a member of the team, and thank you for joining us on the podcast. I'm slightly annoyed you didn't get up at four a.m. That would have been you know interesting for us, but <laughs> you know maybe it would have been time. it would have been something. You know it would have been something. <laughs> And I'm so glad to have people like Matt and Jackson on my side. Whether we disagree or agree on the podcast is fine. Thank you so much. Luke, I think you and I agree a lot. I think uh, Matt's the odd one out. I know. It's odd because it's normally the other way around. Luke doesn't like anything, you see. He's normally the negative one. No, I'm normally happy-go-lucky and TV doesn't have to do much to impress (laughs) me. Where we have this conversation, oh, I don't want to watch that. I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to watch that. I don't want to talk about that. But regardless of what we thought, I think this week was shows worthy of, were at least Mm. worthy of discussion, Mm. even though I won't remember... In a couple of weeks. What are you trying to say about Murder Island? Yes. Tell tell Jackson (laughs) the basic premise of Murder Island, just quickly. I mean, I love the title. So, basically, are you aware of the uh, British author Ian Rankin? He's a crime author. No, okay. Okay. He's a very very successful crime writer uh, from the UK. He has written a, a sort of murder mystery, which is then being solved by members of the public. So it's sort of a, a mixture of a crime drama and a game show where they're trying to find out who did the murder. The members of the public are interacting with the actors who are playing the potential suspects. I love I love them going for that. That sounds <laughs> fun. <laughs> and it's also narrated by the working, woman. But I can see it being awesome. Bonkers. Absolutely. Is there a show this year? Matt, that you think Jackson might have seen that would really appeal. He wasn't aware of normal people. Can we do it a second year in a row? And I genuinely can't think of one. It's a sin. I've seen it. Oh, you've seen it's a sin. Okay. I have seen it. Yeah. In in which case, no. (laughs) There's no. I was thinking about this, and there what? There's not been a great deal of sort of big British shows to point people. And the only other things I could think of is be like a comedy, like Starstruck, maybe. Oh, maybe that would appeal. Yeah, that's on HBO. I love, I love laughing. Yeah, we've done it 
Almost there you go, starstruck then. Luke tells me it's on HBO Max. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's got right. a second season. And it will fill that reservation dogs um, gap. What about uh, We Are Lady Parts? Is that somewhere in the States? I know you didn't That's enjoy that. That's on Peacock. So he did, it's about one of the only... <laughs> um, one of the only streaming services that you don't subscribe to do uh, Starstruck. I would. Starstruck it is. Yeah, I mean you don't have All to, right. but just just humorous <laughs> for the sake of the podcast. Thank you so much. We'll be back soon. This has been a Custard TV podcast. Please, will you say goodbye? Goodbye. Goodbye. Rate and review us wherever you find us. Search the Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes, and Facebook. Your home with blinds.com. DIY or let us install. Free design consultation. Plus free samples and free shipping. Ho ho ho! Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high quality window treatments with no showroom mockups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople, saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.